Most sexual assaults go unreported. At Sarnco, we believe, empower, and advocate for all survivors. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted and needs support, call 844-644-6435. 844-644-6435. At Sarnco, we're here for you. Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome Drinking Bros, kids. Got one of the OGs on the show today. Vincent Rocco Vargas is in the house. You texted me yesterday and you were like, hey, dude, I'd love to come on. I was like, great, I'll see you tomorrow, friend. I was shocked. I was like, damn, that was fast. I actually had a head rush. I was like, that was too quick, bro. Jesus. I've always said, hey, dude, you have a standing invite whenever you want. Just hit me up and we'll put you on the next day. Like, that's it. You're, you're an OG host, dude. And now you're uh, a massive TV star uh, and all that stuff, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, boy, end of the Mayans. It's already yeah. been five fucking seasons. That's crazy. Yeah, it's been total six years, really. Yeah. So when it when it first went down was six years ago we did the first pilot. God uh, damn. So six years ago and then cut to now. Um, Danthony, I feel like what was it? We I felt like yesterday when we had him on just talking about the the beginning of all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't when was the last time you were on? It was, I have no idea. Was it, it was probably, were we in North Carolina still? No, it hasn't been that long. I think we talked to you right before the last season. But the, the reason why I was thinking about this today, Danthony, on the way over here, the reason why I think it feels long is there's so much that has happened in this six years from, you know, not only the podcast, but the, you know, the, the coffee and the, the seltzers and then you becoming a TV star and the books and all that other stuff. And you got a new book coming out, which we'll chat about in a minute. And the five million illegal immigrants who have entered the country. the last Yeah, years. yeah. there's just been a lot going on, Rocco. <laughs> and uh, uh, you had the pandemic for a couple years. Well, not really. Well, the pandemic, if you will. But that still <laughs> fucked with you guys' schedule. Um, as far as the Mayans is concerned and then online, uh, there was some things that you were posting. You were like, Hey guys, are we, are we shooting or are we not shooting? And, uh, and here's what I gathered from it is because it is the last season and FX and, and Kurt and those guys keep these scripts uh, to themselves. Did they give out the scripts to all the actors immediately? Um, because they didn't want you guys to, to get it out there and and tell what was going to happen. No, you know, I was in the writing room this year, so I was I, I wrote one of the episodes this season, so I was part of the whole process. And uh, no, you know, it kind of went as normal as possible. Besides the last two episodes, I think were a little close hold. You know, the last two, how we closed out the the show was close hold was kind of kept between Elgin and uh, a couple other writers. But for the most part, we got the script. You know, two weeks before the episode or a week before the episode, and and we did our thing. And if you were you know, if someone significant on the show was was not going to make it, uh, you know, we did they did the respect of giving them that notice and whether they wanted to, you know, however they want to go out. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty normal. Everything felt pretty normal besides like being there, knowing like, oh shit, this is done. Like you yeah. know, this is the last 
time I'm going to film this scene or that scene or that location. Last time I'm going to ride a motorcycle on the show. And uh, it was it was definitely a different feel, man. And it kind of tripped me out, man, to going from, you know, I went from a a guest star to a season regular and writer on the show, which was like, I mean, I had the most growth I possibly could ask for, you know, it's just very honored to, to have been given the opportunity, but yeah, man, from beginning to end now this season, while, while filming it, I was, it was kind of a, it was bittersweet the whole time. You said, um, for the people who might be getting killed off at the end, they gave them some kind of, what, what, what do you mean? Like a notice, they, like advanced notice or they, yeah, you, you can, cause you, you, it almost sounded like you were implying they had some input on how they were going to die or something. And to be honest, if you put no. that kind of power in my hands, it would no. be you're gonna live fuck. forever yeah no 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 no, no. <laughs> i would choose the most fucked up graphic death it would be like would you oh yeah okay something maybe not even super graphic but weird right you want to yeah. go out you want to go out and and be remembered you want to be, yeah. go out like everybody wants to go out like opie you like know we know found we found yeah. gilly in the fucking closet dude wearing a geisha outfit strangle bait yeah strangle bait and like david carradine it was super weird and that's how he died and, and then, that's how we remember gilly forever yeah. is that he was strangle baiting in the closet and died and, of carradine and death forced the fucking writers to wedge that into the storyline yeah. somehow like what the no. fuck yeah because <laughs> being in the writer's room uh what happens is everybody pitches ideas and then you kind of go off and write whatever that could have been your pitch of like look I always felt that Gilly was kind of closeted gay, um, was into strangulation. It's the last season. Wouldn't it be fun if I went out with a belt around my neck and I was just hanging in the closet and then oh, the whole gang finds me, you know? I'm sweating right now how uncomfortable I am. Uh, cause you're, you're trying to get that next job. And I, let me tell you, friends, uh, this writer's strike is going to go on for a very long time. So people won't forget this. Uh, I mean, people will forget this episode, so you're good. <laughs> no, you're man, good. you know, like like in other seasons, say season three, when we, when one of the main characters was, was getting killed off, um, you know, there was a conversation about a week prior, giving him out of respect and letting him know, um, you know, and some people don't take it so well, right? Some of the, some of the guest stars that are there are going to get killed. They're like, Hey, I think there's so much more for my character. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I should die. Or sometimes they don't even show up and you have to get a stunt and change the whole scene around. So it's an interesting process when, 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 someone is you know killed off of a show and kind of the emotionally invested uh actor and how they handle that and so some people do it with grace some people don't and um you know i think uh season five we you know you're going to see a lot of different versions of that <laughs> okay okay i'm not going to pry too much uh, it. however I'll, I'll shift over to some series that are ending this season and how they kind of killed off their characters so we'll start with yellowstone uh to to your point what you just told the audience when this whole drama was going down with Costner um, and they were looking to kill him off the show and all the other shit, he didn't want to shoot those scenes. The, so the rumor goes, right? Um, did that happen to anybody on this show? Uh, I wouldn't, not this season. I'm, I, I, we've had that in several seasons. Yes. Like, absolutely. They didn't even show up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. What's the yeah. conversation like behind the scenes? Because I've never been on a project where somebody got killed off and they didn't want to. Well, it's uh, I, I was there the day of, and then the person didn't show up, and it was like this emergency, like, yo, we got to take a beat. We got to find someone who's going to come in and wear a wig, and we're just going to change the scene slightly around, and, and we'll just shoot him from the back of the head. And it's Holy like... Holy shit. And it's, yeah, and then the other actor's like, but I've been preparing for this scene. It's a really dope scene. It's like, <laughs> sorry, man. You're not, now it's just kind of a quick pop done, you know? And, and and that happens, dude, and it's really... It's kind of crazy to see. It's happened... I, I would say, uh, you know, four times so far, something on the show, probably three or four times on the show. No right? shit. That seems like a really bad idea if you're, especially if you're a character actor. 
Like you, it's it, not good. You're going to get blacklisted. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. The, you know, who owns us? We're owned by Disney. So Disney doesn't take lightly to that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, they will, they will, you know, they'll do what they do. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how, that's what this career is interesting, dude. It's a small, small community and you, you do one thing stupid. It can really affect the rest of your career. And so there's not a lot of people that can get away with that. Kevin Costner might be able to get away with that. Yeah. He can do what he he's wants. Fine. He's, and he's got a hog on him too. So that yeah, helps. he's got a hammer yeah. on him. So um, he'll be able to get away with it. Yeah. But what, what else, what else you got coming down the pipeline? Are there any other shows out there that you're thinking about working on or anything? Yeah. Because it, look, you're, yeah. you're in a weird period where you're in this writer's strike and there's nothing going on right now. Yeah. It's tough. Um, you know, there's a few small movies here in Utah that I'm jumping on board with. Um, and you know, there is, we've had meetings before the strike happened. We had some meetings with some, some, some potential shows for, for some of the bigger, um, you know, production companies, but there's nothing set in stone, dude. It's really, it's a, it's a up in the air. I'm writing a few projects, uh, and you know, right now everything's kind of standstill. So uh, right now I'm pushing more towards doing my own thing down at the border and filming the truth down there. And so that's kind of what I'm pivoting to now until I see what happens in, in, in the industry. If the industry opens back up and I have opportunity, cool. If not, I got to find a new path. Uh, documentaries is a great one. I had mentioned this the other day on uh, on Ross Patterson Revolution. I think you're going to see a lot more of those because there isn't writers. The WGA isn't involved. Yep. Uh, but the cool thing is, storytelling-wise right now, uh, there is so much going on that you could cover documentary-wise. Uh, and let's face it, we're less than 48 hours away from the end of Title 42, I yeah. go ahead and head down to the border with some camera equipment and uh, and some boom mics. If I yeah, were yeah, there's you a bunch of people quickly. down there on the mic side of the border just stretching right now, just stretching out, yeah, stretching and hydrating, getting yeah, ready. Yeah, getting ready, drinking some liquid IV, getting ready to <laughs> to to have a sprint. Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of like you know. So I wrote the book because I was watching everything that's going on. I said, you know what, I do have a voice in this. Let me write my book and and tell like my side of what immigration is in the border patrol career field. And then as I'm writing this book, it's getting crazier and crazier. And then now I'm waiting for this book to come out. I'm watching what's happening with the Title 42. And I'm like, all right, well, then why don't I just go down there and report it myself? You know, and so I'm probably going to be heading down the next two weeks. I'm going to miss all the fun because I'm going to see what's going on with the 40, 40, once Title 42 ends. But in probably the next two weeks, I'm going to head down to some of the borders and I'm going to be filming everything that I see on the border and just uploading directly to YouTube, man, because I think it's fair to to show a true voice of what's happening, good, bad, the ugly. Uh, and you know who else better to represent that than someone who's done the job in the career field as well as who's Hispanic and understands kind of the dichotomy of that space. So um, that's what I'm trying to do, man, because it is a very interesting topic. It is a very controversial topic, uh, and you know I feel like it's my time to use my voice that way and, and tell that story. Yeah, I agree, especially with the Hollywood background now. Uh, you're also in Border Patrol. You're friends with a lot of those guys. You've done a lot of press regarding uh, your life being in the border patrol. Your new book is called borderline. It's out November 14th, uh, pre-sale it's on pre-sale right now. All those pre-sales help for the New York times bestseller list. So please go out and buy that now. Uh, but with that, there isn't a better guy who could tell that story and upload it and get it out to the world with a fair message regarding both sides, because you've seen all of it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's funny. It's always hard. How do you do that, right? Because how do you not politicize something that's so, uh, you know, polarizing? And and it's what's been used a lot in political, uh, you know, arguments left and right. And so, uh, 
how do you do that? I don't know. All I can do is turn on the camera and show you what's happening. And if it, if it, if it tends to land on the side that you believe in more, I'm like, Oh, this isn't whatever, you know, then good for you. But, uh, it's kind of wild. That's what's happening. And it's kind of wild to know the demographics we're coming across. Uh, yeah, I got a message today from a guy who said, you know, you know, because of title four, two and everything else, Here's what he said. He goes, "We're letting go of everyone. They're 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 sending they're they're letting go of everyone." And he said, "The the the demographics, which is Africans, uh, um, Afghani's, freaking people that we consider them as exotics. It's like something you don't really see often, right? You see a lot of OTMs, they call it, other than Mexicans, which is like south of the border from like you know Nicaragua, Waterloo, uh, everything, right? Um, but what you don't see a lot of is like Africans, right? And you don't see a lot of Chinese, and you don't see a lot of a lot of uh, Afghanis. And when you do start seeing an influx of that, it gets concerning, right? It's like, whoa, that's that's kind of interesting. And and how come that's not publicized as, as much? Because I think it should be. I think that's a topic that most people in America should know. What are the demographics coming across? And, and right now, we're getting a lot of exotics, which concerns me and, and a homeland security perspective. Yeah, the only, the only <clears throat> so-called exotics that are getting a second look right now are the Chinese. They're being cleared by Intel, but even they're getting NTAs and sent into the country if Intel doesn't flag them on something. Uh, it's yep. pretty wild. This is this is the wildest period. The last two years and several months has been the wildest immigration period I've ever seen in my goddamn life, man. It's fucked. Like, I, I worked uh, I worked at FDNS for a little while doing Intel, and it was uh, this is during the latter stage of Obama, so it was, you know, it wasn't the best thing, but it was mostly just nobody was getting prosecuted for anything now it's like the floodgates are completely open yeah yeah no one's getting prosecuted right now either right it's uh it's weird so like with title 42 like for those that didn't understand it and why it even got implemented was because of the whole covid thing right it was like how can we stop them from coming across and, and infecting and infecting us potentially and so when they implemented title 42 it was more of a it's a health it's more of a like a health concern uh but the problem with that is then you started getting you know there's a controversy behind it. it's not fair towards people that are seeking asylum. But the true answer to that, if you're seeking asylum and you go through the port of entry, you'll get the opportunity. But if you have COVID, obviously they were sending you back. But if you're seeking asylum and going through not using a port of entry and coming illegally, well, then you've already broken the law. And then we have to just kind of, you know, you're going to get prosecuted based on that. So people started fighting about that and started get, becoming an issue. Then at some point, someone higher up in our, uh, you know, in our branches decided that, well, we should just release them into the United States. Mm -hmm. So we started, so they started releasing them into the United States and giving them, like you said, an NTA notice to appear, right? It's like, okay, well, let me just stamp your papers and come back in, in, in a couple months or a year or whatever, and the immigration judge will see you then, and then they'll make a determination on your on your case. And when you do that, and then you release, you know, 10,000 people into, you know, El Paso per se, uh, you know, half of those people, if not more of those people just take off and go wherever they wanted mm -hmm. to. And they never show up to the notice to appear. So then we have this influx of, Im of illegal immigration in the country and it was pretty much just handed to them. It was super easy to, to, to do. And so that's why you're having right now, like you're seeing these caravans of people, just thousands. I think right now, currently I got a text this morning, 27,000 in custody currently on the borders. Across the board, 27,000 individuals are in custody currently. That's just who's in custody, right? Uh, that is that is a full-blown, that's, that's uh, they're overwhelmed, right? That's, that's an just, invasion, just, just, basically, right? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a I won't, I'm not going to say that word. I'm saying that is, they're definitely overwhelmed. And there's, what, how do you, there's no capacity for that, right? There's no space for that. What do you do with that? So um, it's a really crazy 
crazy concept that's happening right now. The, the whole thing in Title 42. I think what happens is I was talking about this before is that there's this this dissemination of information in, in, in on the southern like anything south of the border, right? And you got, you know, trafficking organizations or whatever, whoever's putting this information out has led them to believe when Title 42 is done, either they're going to get in easier or they're trying to get in before it finishes. And so you got these two different conversations happening right now. And I just watched this other video where they're like, oh, they're taking, supposedly Canada's taking you for free, right? And so like everyone has this crazy information and it gets disseminated so well that right now you have like thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming across or trying to get to a point where they can come across and get their notice to appear, right? Their papers. And so it's kind of wild, man, because none of it's true. And and what ends up happening, it all depends on, on what the administration decides to do. But as for the border patrol right now, what they're told to do is once they apprehend them, they stamp their papers, give them an NTA and they send them off into the city. And yeah, but it's 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 far yeah. more nefarious than that, in my opinion. Just based on what I hear from my CBP contacts on a daily basis, like I I don't know from where it's coming. Uh, the general sent people point to Mayorkas, but I'm not sure he's making line item policy like this. But um, they're giving. I try, to get, I try to find the paperwork. I haven't found the actual paperwork. Yeah, yeah, right? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who said it. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking too. But there are these specific blurbs with regard to credible fear, right? So people can yes. claim asylee status mm-hmm. uh, yes. that they're handing to people. Like the 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 uh, CBP agents are being instructed to ask people leading questions, basically, to get them to admit or get them to say that they have credible fear of going back to their homeland so they can be released without being, uh, or so they can be a, a, a claim asylum, mm-hmm. right? And not just get an NTA like everybody else is. Uh, right. The other thing is, that 27,000 people that are in custody, the only people being taken into custody are people that pose some sort of threat, mm-hmm. right? So if you're, yeah. if you're a first-timer, you're coming across the border as a first-timer, even as a, an adult single male, um, and you don't have a criminal record or a former uh, unlawful presence charge or deportation, you're, just, you're released into the country. So that means 27,000 people rose to a higher level of scrutiny just in the last month because that's about how long they'll detain them there. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then, Rocco, regarding these 27,000 people, how long are they actually physically detained before they're released? So, for the Border Patrol perspective, you're supposed to you have them detained just long enough until the ICE can pick them up in their buses and determine where to go with them. But that's overwhelmed as well. So, they're having Border Patrol themselves. As soon as they can pack them up, they, they drop them off into a near town. It's a very crazy thing. So in if before this, remove all this craziness. If I apprehended someone at the border and I, I process them, processing takes about two to four hours per person, depending on the severity of their case, right? If they're seeking asylum, blah, blah, blah. There's just more paperwork you got to do. Then they're there for about four hours, five hours max. By the time there's a, a you know, the, the next shift of ICE agent shows up, picks them up, Right. And and puts them in their transport vehicle and then they deport them or they excuse me, they take them either directly to direct deport to Mexico if they're Mexican or uh, it, depending on every, every city kind of has a different kind of parameter of what they do. But they grab them, they put them into holdings. So most of those holdings are like prisons. Right. If, if you're an adult and you're just a dude, like I said, a male dude is no, in, in the state of Texas at the time I was in, there's a thing called Operation. Uh, I think it was Streamline or something like that, where everybody t- does 30 days prison time. 
right? And so they go from us about four to six hours and boom, they get onto the bus and they go wherever they need to go from there for detention, for immigration judge, whatever the case, but that's it. So the border patrol really does have like short-term detention. It's just until you in-process them for their case and then you get them to the next people. It's like county them. jail, basically. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay. They're just waiting for the next person to grab them and mm-hmm. take them to the next spot. The next spot is whether they're going to do detention or they're going to do like waiting for an immigration judge. We don't have something like that, right? There's not there's not a lot of places where you just hold immigration people, right? There's a very few of those. And so they turn into certain wings of prisons. Some of those are private prisons, right? And so these private prisons become like their holding facility for immigration until all these cases get seen by the immigration judge and they determine deportation. Boom, send them out. So it's really kind of crazy process, but the border patrol themselves are not supposed to be a place for long-term detention. It's kind of turned into that because the whole system is overwhelmed. Right. It's yeah, I mean, remember, remember that. Remember the shield, right? Mm-hmm. In the precinct, they have that cage in the middle where yeah. they keep people short term. It's essentially like that. Yeah, like I've, they, I've, I've been in a couple. It, it's it, it's a drunk tank. It's not yeah, made I've to hold people long term. <laughs> um, and you know, it's uh, I I really would love to know where these very specifically articulated blurbs are coming from. Yeah, that's uh, the concern, right? Like, uh, you know, agents are saying, you know, we got messages, we got word that we are going to releasing them. We're just releasing them back into the population with their stamp, right? Um, but I'm like, okay, but who told you that? Like, well, that comes from higher up. I, but who higher up? Where's the order? I want to see the like the order, and no one has it, right? No one. They're like, uh, there's. It's just. It's just what they're passed down to us. So it's really kind of weird word of mouth thing that's happening. And and there's call I've gotten I get calls from board trades that like, bro, um, they just asked me to drop off this group of dudes in the middle of this one. They just told me find a dark road and drop them off. So they're driving these fucking buses, bro, in the middle of the night, so no one sees it, so it doesn't cause controversy, and dropping off, you know, fifty to a hundred of these immigrant illegal immigrants in in, a, in the street and then driving off. Like they're told to do this, bro. And it's kind of like this like secret mission they're kind of telling them to do, which is fucking bizarre dude because like if it was me I, I feel like i'd question that a little bit and at the same time i don't want to lose my job so it's, it's really tough but mm. those are the weird things that are happening right now with our border patrol and they're getting asked to do these kind of really that's it's just unorthodox style of doing their job well you know what's interesting about it is this is the same strategy that bernie carrick used in the 90s in new york mm-hmm. uh that la and san francisco have used for a long time to deal with homeless populations yeah, it's, it's almost identical. put them in a bus and send them somewhere else uh-huh. Right. I mean, and it's like, I'm not sure what the end state is exactly there. Like, I, you know, qui bono, right? Who benefits from this? And I'm not sure I see who benefits. These people that are coming over right now that are escaping places like Venezuela and even China, they're not voting Democrat when they get here. So it's not that, right? These people are escaping authoritarianism. They're not going to vote for more of it. We see that with the Cuban population in Miami that finally made the full flip back to a red city. Right. Right. A red state uh, too. I mean, certainly Florida has yeah. been a purple state, I guess, but leans, leans right most of the time, but it is a solid red state. And Miami as a, as a city is now solidly red as well mm-hmm. because of these demographics. So it's not that it's not like there are conspiracy theories that the DNC wants voters. It's not that it can't be because they're picking the wrong, they're letting the wrong people in for that to be the case. So, uh, some other people, there's there's another conspiracy called the Great Replacement Theory that they're just trying to make white people the minority, but I that's that's stupid. That's not happening. But I what here's the one I do believe that the powers that be, whomever it happens to be, the aristocracy or the political class, is convinced that our uh, aside from Rocco, of course, are, we're not making enough babies right domestically <laughs> anymore. 
Uh, I, I know you're doing the work of several people yourself, but uh, we're not doing that enough, uh-huh. and we're seeing it. So, you, you, did you know that seven percent of human beings in America work for the federal government? No, I did not know that. Seven percent of the country, including kids, by the way. So, if you took them out, it would be a higher rate. But seven percent of the country works for the federal government, or I'm sorry, not for the federal government, for federal, state, or local government. Okay, seven percent of the country works for government in some way. And what we've done is take a bunch of uh, uh, minimum wage workers that used to do a lot of laboring, they used to do a lot of like fast food, stuff like that, and we've put them into the TSA because that's who those people are, right? (laughs) And now we don't have anybody to do minimum wage jobs, but it's important. The reason we opened up Ellis Island in the late 19th and early 20th centuries on two separate occasions is because we needed people who were hungry that wanted to come fucking work, Mm -hmm. right? And... We did it the right way back then, which is to require some level of assimilation. You follow the rules. You come through the proper ports. You learn a little bit of English maybe, right? Pay some taxes and shit like that. But the people that are coming over right now, if the, if it makes sense that we would be replacing a workforce. That makes sense to me. And what doesn't make sense is that the vast majority of these people, and I could back this up with hundreds of messages from Border Patrol, uh, including the answers to the questionnaires that they fill out. They want to be here for three to five years, save some money and go back to where they came from because their country's poor. That's what the goal for most of these people is that, that are yeah, coming over the border of, right now. Yeah, A lot of them that are coming across the work are sending it home. Yeah. So it's like, if that is our plan, if that is the political class's plan to do Ellis Island 2.0, it's failing miserably and it's not going to work long-term either. Now, I think that's a decent plan to be honest. As a matter of fact, if we could, if we could take everybody, I, we said this yesterday. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday, Rocco. Uh, I, I want to give them the, up to Oregon, Washington, and California. I want to give the entire West Coast to Mexicans and Venezuelans and Guatemalans and whomever else that comes from a shitty, poor country with authoritarian politics and wants to come here on our very fertile West Coast and produce American material out of that food or whatever the fuck else it is. Good for them, dude. I'm in. I'm into that. Let them stay too. And they're all hard workers. They'll pay yeah. taxes if you let them, and then you get the shitty whites out of there who believe in fucking 90 genders and everything else, and then the, the fucking West Coast is awesome again, brother. We're back. Imagine just being able to fly into, like, I don't know, fly into SFO, and then go, and it's like you're in Mexico. Yeah. That would be dope as fuck. You'd have man. amazing food. The weather's always gorgeous. Uh, look, our baseball teams are already filled anyway, so it's like, hey, dude, it's the same thing. But, yeah. Let's go. We're already set up for it. But I just can't figure out like who benefits from what exactly is being done. It seems very incompetent. It, but, it, but is it just incompetency, or is there a master plan behind it? And I can't figure it out. Now, I would have said differently uh, if it weren't for what you guys were talking about earlier, which uh, there's uh, – too many countries involved now. Um, I saw the picture, I think it was a week and a half ago, of, uh, of all those Chinese uh, that were locked up. And they had caught, like, what was it, 200 or something yeah. at a time? Uh, and they were keeping them in the cages, the same thing that AOC pretended to cry about back in the day. Um, and it was like, all right, well, how the fuck did they get to Mexico and then try to come over? You were talking about uh, Africans, um, yep. and that's rare. How do you get all the way from Africa over here? Um, because I mean, shit, I won't even drive to Dallas from Austin a lot of times because it's three <laughs> hours, like, let alone take a boat over from Africa or however the fuck you're getting over there. Who's yeah. funding this? Because it's expensive. It's very, very expensive for, to get to Africa, to Mexico, to 
America. It's a long route all the way around. Somebody has to be behind some of this. I just don't know why. Well, I mean, Germany is dealing. Germany has had these same issues with uh, particularly Islamic Africans over the past, what, 10 years or so. But their own government signed off on that. Correct. And they they were pissed off about it. Well, we don't know, right? Because we haven't haven't heard anything out of Biden or anybody of like, hey, dude, this is what our plan is. Germany, at least, they gave him a heads up and said, hey, they're all coming. We're going to get a million. I think it was one million, if, if our memory serves me correctly. And Merkel was like, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to have these people in our country, and it's going to be a fun thing, and everybody's going to have a blast, and we'll, we'll do Oktoberfest together. If we had an answer like that from the presidents, then maybe people could kind of wrap their minds around it. But right now, it's just kind of fucking chaos that's going on. And, and what you say, they're just dropping these people off in the middle of the night. And then what? Just hoping for the best? Uh, because Dan and I saw some of them in the airport a long time ago. They each had a manila envelope, and I believe they had $2,500 in cash, right, with yeah, them? From, it, from that Catholic charity. Yes. I can't remember the name of it. I had to look it up, but yeah. And uh, their flights were going to Newark. Uh, Dan took a picture inside the airport, uh, and they were going <laughs> to Newark. And we actually looked up the flights because we were flying back to Austin. We were doing a live show. And that Newark flight didn't get in until 11 p.m. that night. So – you got people who are not only travel to the border, they're hungry, thirsty, everything else they've been to. Then they're probably getting on a plane for the first time in their entire lives. And then they're going to Newark of all places. Holy shit. You've been to downtown Newark these days. That would be a worse shock than Guatemala, I would think. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I, I agree. It's very, I wish there was more information on why, to be honest. And I think that's what like a lot of the border agents are kind of like, they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing and like what's right and what's wrong. They're left with like, it's like there is no dissemination information for the board traders to understand it. And it also leaves them still as like public enemy number one to the world for some reason who doesn't, anyone who doesn't know immigration, they're blaming border patrol for all immigration issues, which that's not true either. And so uh, that's kind of why I chose to kind of try and help be a voice for that. It's, it's a weird time, man. It's the, it's the weirdest time that I've ever seen. Yeah, but you're the perfect guy to do it right now, and this might have all worked out for the best, to be honest with you, uh, because Biden sent down 1,500 National Guards. No, no, no. What was it? No, that's uh, Governor Wheelchair that did that. Well, we- Wheelchair did it, but uh, Biden put 1,500 mm. in as well, but they're only there, uh, and, and the White House press secretary, whatever her name is, uh, I can never pronounce it, Jean-Pierre, Luc Picard, or whatever, Um uh, she said they're specifically there for processing only. They're not there to detain anybody. The 1500 that Biden is sending is only to process these people. Yeah, we did this before, and I think it was 2006, right, where uh, National Guard from Texas, Utah, and a couple other places went down to the border, and they backfilled administrative roles so CBP agents could go back out and do you know, enforcement stuff. Right. Um, and, and so, But by the way, so this triggered Governor Abbott's uh, last night – uh, he said he's going to be deploying tactical border force as Title 42 nears the end. What does that mean? What is tactical border force? That's I have no idea. So I can tell you what it is. So it's uh, uh, it, it is it is 19th Special Forces Group guys. Okay, that yeah. are technically assigned. They're still under Title 32, and they're assigned to DPS, Texas DPS, so state police. So they're they're operating under state police authority instead of military authority because then the federal government can't come shut them down. So technically speaking, and and this is a crazy thing about living in this goddamn country, but 
the federal government can sue the state of Texas if it tries to enforce its own border. Right. Yes. So to, that, to that, some that's, degree, that, yeah, that's what I've heard all morning going back to, and forth. Yeah, to some degree, that is the case. So to get around that, uh, and they did this last summer. Our buddy was doing it. I, I, I yeah, think I've talked yeah. about that. Yeah, but they did this last summer where uh, uh, it was a it was a smaller footprint. I think it's going to be quite a bit larger this time. But yeah, they they mobilized under Title Thirty Two. Use uh, they slice them over to DPS, and they are, they're essentially deputized as state police, kind of. Okay. Um, that's what it is, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see, right? Well, here was Abbott's statement this morning when he was asked about it. He said uh, they can physically turn back those who are trying to cross the border illegally. Also, they are building immediate uh, concertina. Concertina wire, razor wire, razor wire. Okay, yeah, like the shit you see on top of prisons. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, barriers to prevent people from cr- coming across the border. Um, now, the first thing that comes to mind is who's funding this. Uh, the second thing that, that comes to mind, because it's got to be the state of Texas, right? This isn't federal. Uh, it's correct, yeah. I mean, but, you know, if anybody's got concertina wire lying around, it's definitely the National Guard. Okay. <laughs> it's a like concertina wire and fucking sandbags. They got plenty of that shit. Okay. Uh, the, the second part of this, um, and Rocco, you can expand on this, is what happens if one of these guys gets into a physical altercation trying to prevent one of these people from coming across the border, and then they accidentally get killed. Um, you could be charged for that. One would imagine... Charged by whom? For uh, Is it federal or is it state? Like, how does that happen? I mean, it would... Um, murder is, uh, uh, is not intrinsically a federal crime unless there's uh, enhancers, right? So like a hate crime enhancer or something like that. Technically, the DOJ can come butt in and, and probably would in this scenario because it's an antagonistic relationship between um, uh, the state of Texas and the federal government at this point. But, uh, you know, the reality of that situation is they probably wouldn't find that body. Okay. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, that's probably how it would go down. Hey, man, I, I, I just wanted to ask the question. Because I mean, it's not like they got social security numbers, you know what I mean? No, but with 27,000, that's too big of a number. That's You're definitely going to break a few eggs uh, on that. Is this... This, this goes down here in the next couple of days. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, most most of the people coming across are not going to be violent or not trying to attempt anything. They just feel like they're they're getting a free pass, so they're just here hanging out waiting for the ticket. Oh yeah, right. And there's no there's no consequence for unlawful presence anymore, anyways. Right. right. right? So the, there's no threat there. Mm. You know. Uh, so I don't feel like that's going to be an issue. It's funny how many people think that border agents shoot illegal immigrants. I think a lot of people talk about that and i think uh if you look at the numbers i believe border patrol has the least amount of uh you know lethal engagements compared to to upper capita as well as they have the most like uh they've been attacked more than any other law enforcement officer in the nation as well so it's kind of crazy but yeah well, it's because they, they, it's they're whipping them on horses we all <laughs> saw the footage dude they will not stop whipping people on horses and i think no. they took the horses away rocco because it was it was just so out of control and there's no more horses now, okay? I want you to live with that. Well, they've sent him to the four sixes to hang out with Jimmy. That's right, dude. Um, oh man, Jimmy. Jimmy's hey, if, going down there. If I had if I had the ability to put you on any show, I would put you on the four sixes show that's coming up. And every episode you would just beat Jimmy to into death. a coma. Yeah. Every single episode <laughs> would yep. just be you beating like this Hey, you skinny book bitch. Because I hate him so much. I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life. 
But that I'll character make, drives I'll, me crazy. I'll make some calls and see who's who's uh, casting for that one. Yeah, just do a do a treatment for it and send it to him. Like this is my idea, guys. Ready? <laughs> That's it. I yeah. just beat the fuck out of Jimmy every episode, over and over again. Uh, we'll switch out of the immigration here and get to Hollywood and what you're going to do next. So, uh, like I was saying, this writer's strike is going to be a, a very long time. Um, uh, I know Judd Apatow said that, that he thinks the studios have an end date, um, which is pretty controversial. I, I actually agree with him on this. I don't agree with him much politically, but uh, on this one, I think um, they're wiping out all these huge contracts. Uh, they're wiping out the rest of the shows, and then they want to start over with some of these bad deals they did in the past. And plus, streamers are losing money. Um, for you personally, uh, out there, are you worried as an actor uh, about what the future of scripted television looks like in films? And what are you hearing on your side? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, definitely preparing for if I have to shift my gears in my career field to something different. Uh, that's kind of why I, I went into the writing space to hopefully maybe have another option as well as trying to get into directing. Um, and nobody knows right now. Um, you know, I think there's people projecting three, four months, whatever. But every time, you know, every month, it just means it just takes it that much longer for anything to come into production. So um, it's a scary time for everyone. I think everyone just wants it to be figured out so we can get back to work. But, you know, there's there's a. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't even know what to say because you look at you, you. When pilot season comes around for an actor, there's a, there's a, it's exciting because we all get to audition for all these pilots and potentially. Normally, there's tons of pilots. This season alone, this year alone, there was like a fucking third of the pilots, and so we already knew that things are changing dramatically. Like, uh, you know, these networks are not putting out as much content. They're looking for like very because at one point, you know, everyone's content thirsty. And so there's just tons of content going out there, every streamer in the world. And then none of those are doing very well. So I think they just all of a sudden they tightened it up. And so there's a lot less work out there for us actors. Uh, and then now that the writing strike is happening for me personally, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to shift gears in if I would get into producing on my own and just produce something I want for myself. Mm. But that's the only thing I can think of. You know, like I said, you know how there's freaking roster there's meetings i have meetings all the time of like potential this potential that but a very few of those actually come to fruition yeah you know i was talking to richard ryan about the this morning uh-huh. um and a friend of mine who's a writer um <clears throat> about what exactly it is they want to accomplish here right because not just for writers but for actors as well i think the biggest the most egregious shit that's going on like they're talking about their previous success and heading off streaming from removing all their stuff and, and YouTube and stuff like that. Um, and they want to do that again now for AI. But I'm like, what about, what about the fact that residuals are going away? Mm-hmm. That it used to be that you could work on a, on a 10 to 23 episode per season show and that would pay your bills for the year. The mm-hmm. residuals from it would pay your bills for the year, right? Um, and it's, you know, it's a full time. Sometimes you're out 10 months out of the year, you're writing constantly. And it's, it's not like people are like, Oh, 10 months out of the year, you get two months off. It's like 13 hour days, right? Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. And, uh, now the residual scheme because of streaming and, and other things like that is kind of going away. Richard's talking about how YouTube is working on this platform that, uh, or additions to their platform that would allow a number of things. One, extra monetizing of certain types of content, but also monetizing the sharing of content. So if you're um, if you're a content creator, right, you're making a short series or whatever it is, um, instead of spending advertising on outside channels or something like that, 
you can spend your advertising on people inside of the YouTube platform. So I like Drink It Bros could Which pay, I would love to do. Yeah, Drink I, I, we looked into that. Drink It Bros could pay Joe Rogan. Rogan mm-hmm. to to promote our stuff. Yep. For example, and it'll all happen internally on the platform and give a lot more control back to the creators. And then another thing they're trying to do is add some kind of residual fee structure in there for the ancillary people, not the not just the people who own the IP, but also the people that work on the IP. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're if you're a contractor who is contracted to write on this series, you don't just get your day rate for 10 days. You know what I mean? You're going to get some residual on however much money that show ends up making it, right? Which I think it's a good thing, right? It's not... Um, well, it could be for YouTube. The problem is yeah. with, uh, let's say, Rocco, and let's say the Mayans. Uh, for you personally, um, are, have you gotten residual checks for the last five seasons of the Mayans? Yeah, but like the residuals did change when the whole streaming thing kind of picked up. Yep. So first season, we weren't under Hulu, and then second season, we went under Hulu. The, the, the residuals I got... When we weren't under Hulu, were pretty significant. Like, so if I made 50k, then the residuals was probably 30k. Yep. You know what I mean. And then um, once it went to streaming, it was cut into like fucking. Bro, if I made if I made 100k, then my residuals was probably 10k. Yeah. 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 And, and it was like significant. Like we felt it. We were like, whoa, because I was like, man, acting pays pretty cool with these residuals. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, man, you can't count on these damn things, man. They're just gonna pay for a Disneyland trip now. Yeah, I understand it's it wild. though. I understand it from the like everybody's pissed off at the studios for it and the streamers for it, but the the economy is not the same anymore, right? There's not there isn't the same um there isn't the same path from production to the end that there used to be. So there's not a theatrical release or a network release and then DVDs and then a follow-up and then and then syndication. Mm-hmm. That's not a, on streaming, that's not a thing. Right. Like and DVDs are gone in, entirely. Yes. Right. So you could you could maybe leverage some paywall stuff at some point in that process, but the 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 definite one third of your revenue or so coming from DVDs is completely evaporated. Right. And as is syndication because these unless you're a big show like The Office or somebody like that, like if if Mayans gets picked up by Paramount Plus tomorrow, you're not going to see any money from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that you would have if it had gone from NBC to T- TNT TBS. or TBS, yeah. right? And that's fucked. I mean, it's I understand that people who do the do the actual work, the writers and the actors and shit, are seeing less money. But I understand the point of the publisher because they don't have those additional revenue streams. Although the, <laughs> it, it, it's hard to make that case, frankly, in a serious way when the, t- the eight studio heads, the eight CEOs, the major studios got an, on average $100 million bonus this year. Rocco, you were here when GhostBed became our title sponsor. Guess what? They're still here, but now they're offering the biggest savings in the history of their company. Ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros is offering 50% off a bundle package. That's the adjustable base and the mattress combined together. Their most popular version is the Split King. Comes with two remote controls instead of one, but all the fun. Uh, look, those two remote controls are uh, important for uh, for two reasons. First one, sex. Yes, you can get into weird sexual positions. You want to put up a side, keep down another side, test that out. That's fine. Second one is sleep. 
Uh, if your lava goes to sleep before or after you, uh, you can pop it down or pop it up, depending upon what you're doing that night, and it won't dis- uh, disturb your partner there, and it's great. Both sides still come with, with the same options, USB ports, flashlights, uh, the upsy downsy all around the features, as well as that head-to-toe vibration, so you're good to go on that. Uh, now, if you have an adjustable base and you just want a mattress or some pillows or some sheets or the weighted blankets, uh, all you got to do is uh, type in the promo code Drinking Bros at checkout and you're going to get 40% off everything in the entire store. And right now, they've got uh, the mattress deal with two free luxury pillows with it. And that's like a uh, shit, man. It's $180 savings. I don't know how Ghostbed's making money anymore. Not my problem. I don't own the fucking company. But if they're going to give you these deals, exploit it, take advantage of it. We don't give a shit. I know I did. Shit, they're in every goddamn room in my house, and they always have been. I uh, used my own promo code. Split King wasn't available back then, but whatevs, dude. It is now, and you can do it. All right? I believe in you. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. When you check out, you're going to see a three-year pay-as-you-go program. No interest as long as you have decent credit over there. And uh, all the deals that I mentioned are applicable with that. And uh, you can walk out of there with a brand new bedroom set for about 20, 25 bucks a month. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. D'Anthony, uh, next up, we got firstform.com slash drinking bros. These micro factors, dude, I've been taking this shit every single day. It is a complete daily nutrients pack. Uh, it comes with all the essential vitam- vitamins that you need. It's shit you're taking every single morning anyways. These come in uh, little bags, though, in a nice little box, Anthony. Uh, I take, I've been taking these every fucking morning now. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I know, but yeah. I didn't know that in the past. Well, you knew. You just didn't do it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but I didn't like dividing up all the fucking pills and all that other shit, dude. Yeah, I didn't sign up to be a fucking pharmacist. Just Me put my either. pills in a bag so I can dump them into my face mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't understand the problem here. It's like every every new business wants to make things harder for you. No. No. Uh, that's what First Form is doing right now. So at firstform.com slash drinker bros, they're breaking it up. So all seven pills are in one little tiny bag. You take it. You don't even have to think about the rest of your day. While you're there, though, my God, man, they're, they're the best in the business. Their energy drinks have become my favorite. Yeah, they're good. Uh, meat sticks. The, the meat sticks? Or protein sticks or the, whatever. They're the called fuck. protein yeah. sticks, but it's the breakfast sausage. That is the fucking Well, they've jam. got a new flavor, Cajun style, which I tried. I haven't this, had that. I tried it this morning. It's really good. Is it? Yeah. God damn, dude. Uh, those guys are the best in the biz. Always new stuff coming out, yeah. Always. They, I saw them at Gold's Gym the other day. Mm. Their energy drinks are in there. Uh, these guys are everywhere. Go to firstform.com slash bros. Free shipping on all this stuff, uh, which you wouldn't normally get uh, out of out of first form or anybody else for that matter, uh, and these guys are the biggest in the biz right now. I mean, shit. Even if you're looking for like workout plans uh, or apparel, they've got everything there. First form is super famous, and we're lucky that they're on this show. Go to firstform.com/slash/drinkingbros today. Next up, we got mybookie.com. Promo code Drinking Bros doubles your first deposit all the way up to a thousand dollars. Did you take Golden State with me last night? Uh. No, I didn't end up betting that game. Which I, 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 I forgot, but um, I would have. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was the case. I'm uh, up a decent amount this year, and I went heavy. I posted it too in uh, Drinker Bros Sports on Facebook. Yeah. About 500 and 
Fucking Lonnie Walker, dude. Lonnie Walker, yeah. I mean, that was a big, big down the stretch, but it was more less about him and more about how none of the Warriors' role players did a goddamn thing. Clay Thompson was like three for eleven. It's terrible. Um, yeah. You know, Draymond jo- Green just keeps fucking beefing games for these guys. Uh, he had a bad play there at the end, but he played. He had a pretty solid game. But Jordan Poole didn't do anything. Um, and to be frank, Steve Kerr got out coached big time by yeah. Darvin Ham, which is kind of embarrassing. Somebody who's considered to be one of the top five NBA coaches of all time has been taken to school during this series with a team that's on paper at least not as good as the team he's coaching, which is you know pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. Let me ask you this. Do you go to my bookie right now and bet on the Warriors coming back? I'm looking for the odds here on this one. Uh, playoff series prices? Oof. I mean, it's three games in a row. They're down three to one. You think it's over? Um, Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes, I do. I, 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 They'll probably win game five, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got beat, to be honest. They're they're on they're playing on their heels. I mean, it's going to take like a miraculous game from Steph Curry to to beat them at any point right now. I think they'll win this next game. I'm looking at mybookie.com uh, right now. The spread is minus seven for Golden State at home uh, for the game tomorrow night. I think they'll win at home and then it'll go back to L.A. Yes, I think there is a shot for them to win three games, but it's really fucking difficult. I mean, it would be it would be somewhat poetic for them to come back from down three one against LeBron. Right? Sure would. Sure maybe, would. Maybe a little payback, but... I, and that's why we're tuning in. Seems unlikely that that'll happen. I just don't see, like... Uh, I don't see the fire in their eyes at this point. It is, it, they're they're kind of over it. I think it's time to break that team up. I do, too. Start with Draymond. Get him the fuck out of there. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Poole just signed a huge deal. You can't do anything with that. So we'll see. Wiggins on a big deal. Steph's on a big deal. I think Clay's do one, but... Wiggins I'm fine with. Clay I'm fine with. Steph I'm fine with. I'm not with. fine with Wiggins. Really? Yeah, he he's I mean probably the most physically talented person on the floor anytime other than when he's on the floor with LeBron James, but he's a fucking moron. Yeah, but I he went through some personal shit. I'll no, 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 it's not see that. See what it is off well, off in the off season. You watched that game last night. Every time there was uh, a big moment and the ball got into his hands, he fucking just went into hero ball mode. Yeah. And there's three separate okay, if you watched the broadcast last night, there were three separate occasions where Steph Kerr or Stephen Kerr rather was like or Steve Steve Kerr was like, um, look, trust each other, make the pass. You don't have to play hero ball. He was only talking to Andrew Wiggin, and he kept doing it over and over again repeatedly after that. Yeah, uh, that dude's got to go. He's not. He doesn't belong on a championship basketball team. We'll find out. It'll be interesting, but I, I think I will throw a little cash on the Warriors to win here the series, uh, just to see what happens. What's, what are the I'm odds? Keep it interesting here. Um, they're waiting to see on injuries, so it's not up yet. Um, because that's it was another thing. Um, you know, there's been a weird illness throughout the locker room. Uh, I know Looney's been sick. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Gary Payton the second has been sick. They're not saying what it is. But I mean, all it's these guys people just keep vomit. Throw it up. So. <laughs> yeah, it's probably stomach up. flu or something like that. Maybe they were licking Jordan's pizza. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, uh, something that you can do when you have a stomach flu like that is not be a fucking bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Go out there and play ball and like don't run off the court when you vomit your mouth, swallow it like a fucking man. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I was embarrassed for the Warriors last night, honestly. The way they played like absolute soft bitches. Uh same here, man. It sucked to watch, dude. It was uncomfortable, but luckily, uh most of our audience 
is a diehard LeBron fan, so they won a shit ton of money last night. I heard it from everybody. Bet with us or against us on mybookie.com. Promo code Drinking Bros will double that first deposit all the way up to a thousand. Sponsor wise, does it get any better than HelloFresh? Hello. Hello, Fresh. I see you. I've been eating them with my wife for, man, I want to say three to four years now. Uh, We have it Monday through Thursday, maybe Friday, depending upon what the kids want to do. But it is the freshest ingredients you can get delivered right to your doorstep. Uh, And it's even cold. It's even chilled for you. So you can pop it right out of the box and into the fridge. Look, kids. Uh, If you're like me and you're going to the grocery store a few times a week and you're noticing that bill creeping up into triple digits, it's because you're trying to buy fresh food for your family. It's not sweet. However, HelloFresh makes it a lot easier by doing it for you. These are fresh meals with unbelievably fresh ingredients that get shipped right to your house with a little tiny card that tells you how to cook it. Uh, Some meals you can even do in like 15 minutes. Some of the steaks a little longer, but uh, I'm not kidding, kids. I've had it Monday through Thursday or Friday for pretty much the last three or four years of my life. I'm a gigantic fan of them, but I never got a savings like this. Uh, This is HelloFresh.com slash DrinkingBros16, where you use the code DrinkingBros16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. I'm going to say that one more time because you're getting 16 free meals here. Nobody can offer you that. Not in podcasts and certainly not in life. How they're doing it, I'm not sure, but good on them. I love the food. It's the best in the biz. And right now you can get 16 free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash Bros 16 and use the code DrinkingBros16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping gigantic fan of these guys there's a reason why HelloFresh's tagline is america's number one meal kit it's because they are dollars yeah well like one of the biggest talking points was uh the head of hbo uh what did he get like 230 or some 250 million dollars yeah. which is exactly what the writers are asking for all eleven thousand combined yeah his that, that just that guy's one salary is what they're yeah. asking for um but what I don't think the writers understand is is it's not the fight really isn't about that. It's about AI. And this will follow into acting as well. So with AI and the ability to write, you can nuke out 75% of your writer's room by plugging in your storyline, shooting out. The scripts are going to be shitty, but the writers will be able to rewrite them. It'll be easy. You can cut your numbers down. You can cut down on residuals and everything else. It's a tool like anything else. Right. right? I mean, and, and creative destruction always happens. Like yeah. the, the cotton gin put a lot of people out of business. I get technically they were slaves, but, you know, had they been making money. <laughs> yeah, that, they would have been doing well. But no, there's always some new technology that displaces people inside of an economy. But it's also it also represents just like the Industrial Revolution. It represents an opportunity yeah. to do more stuff to refine your particular skill set. That's usually what it allows you to do. So instead of digging uh, metal out of the ground, now you're shaping it into something, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how the process is supposed to work with creative destruction. So it, I, I that's the conversation I have with this woman and with Richard this morning. Is like. What exact? How are you going to leverage this to your benefit and to the benefit of the broader community? Because we are in a creator economy now, right? Anything that can help you as a creator, whether it's a new 
uh, modality of publication or a new fucking strategy for building the content itself. You've got to be on top of that shit and using it. Yes. And for Rocco, somebody like you, this is going to bleed over into acting as well. You know that, right? Um, because most of these voice actors will be white. That'll be it. Uh, the AI has gotten so good that they're, they're putting out podcasts now. I don't know if you've, we, we chatted about this on the show a couple weeks ago, but, uh, the Joe Rogan AI experience is on the charts. It is, <laughs> it is an AI Joe Rogan interviewing people that they would want him to interview. Uh, Donald Trump was on there. Uh, yesterday's episode was Andrew Tate. So it is Joe Rogan interviewing Andrew Tate. Uh, we had kind of checked in on this technology maybe four or five months ago. And it was meh. Uh, you could kind of tell the cuts and edits and everything. But I can tell you in the last four months, it has improved significantly. Uh, now imagine a year, three years, four years. Uh, so this fight is not only for the Writers Guild, but it's going to be for the Screen Actors Guild as well because most of those people and voiceover actors are going to lose their job. Now, for somebody like you, let's say you're doing this documentary down at the border, right? Let's say you wanted Edward James almost to narrate it, uh, but he's sick or, or can't do it. But you could get AI and pay his family or you know the estates or, or Edward and, and just say, hey, dude, I know you're not feeling well or you can't do this or whatever. You mind if I use your voice for this and I'll pay you X amount of dollars? The artist will still get paid for that. They will still get residuals on that. But how do you write that into a contract is what they're trying to figure out now, which is why this is going to take a while. Uh, but to Dan's point, you can use this technology to your benefit, but you got to start thinking about it now yeah. because it, it really is happening. And until Delco showed me the, the edits, uh, we had an edits over here that – uh, on one of the podcasts, it typically takes about four, four and a half hours. Uh, Delco was able to do it in under four minutes um, with AI, and uh, it was about ninety-seven percent correct. And, no way! Oh no. yeah, dude. Yeah, but you're so everything you're talking about. At some point, it's going to intersect uh, uh, with, I guess they're called parity laws, right? Inside of IP, so intellectual property the ability to sample things or do a parody of something or do an impression of something. How are you going to adjudicate that case? If I'm just having somebody do an impression of Edward James, almost Isn't right. It, it's, this is like the Napster shit, right? It's yeah. just, yeah. You know, fucking wild. I did get a, uh, a cease and desist one time on a Morgan Freeman voiceover, uh, <laughs> from their account, a dead serious man. And they were like, we don't have, we don't want to give this the false impression that he might have narrated this or blah blah blah. And I talked to my lawyer about it, and he's like, no, this falls under the Parody Act. Yeah. And I go, all right, great, we'll fuck him. And because uh, it was a, you know, a sketch that was thirty seconds on like my Instagram or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I reached back out to my lawyer, I said, hey, I'm just going to leave it up. I'm not going to take this down or whatever. And he goes, well, I'm just, I want to give you a heads up. That's still not going to stop a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's a fight worth having though? Like you're, you're, let's say you're. Um uh, what's that guy's name that you mentioned before? The comedy writer that did all the funny stuff before he became a Judd Apatow. Yeah, Judd Apatow. Yeah. So, um, let's say you just feed his last ten scripts into AI and say, "Hey, write me ten of these." What exactly is unethical or immoral or more importantly illegal about that? Uh, right? There's only one thing: is if. The writers themselves who created it got paid, which is what the argument is now. And so they want to have a system where they keep track of all of it. Mm -hmm. And if your material was used or sampled, much like rap music in the 80s and 90s, where that was unchecked, that entire mm -hmm. process, um, they want to be able to, to have the ability to go back and say, hey, that's my sample, okay. essentially, and then I want to be paid for that. 
Um, there was a very interesting case on this with the Beastie Boys, actually. So if you go back to the Beastie Boys catalog, all of it was crazy samples, including a Jimi Hendrix song, which today in today's world would be $100,000 if you were going to try to license uh, maybe 20 to 30 seconds of a Hendrix song in anything. And they were like, hey, dude, we didn't get paid for this. We knew nothing about this. And these albums went out everywhere. And then the Beastie Boys wrote a book later on, many, many years later, that said, we didn't end up making shit off those albums because yeah. we ended up getting sued by everybody. Right. Yeah, but like, I, I I understand that part of the process, but so Sons of Anarchy is based on Hamlet, right? It's the story of Hamlet. That's what it is. Does the estate of William Shakespeare now own part of Sons of Anarchy? Great does, question. Does does the the estate of Shakespeare own part of Succession because it's based on King Lear, right? Well, that's all public domain, though. Sure, no, no, it is. No. I'm just saying. Yeah. But every everything he's saying is exactly what the studios are telling the writers right now, and they're technically correct. Yes, right. So it's like, but it also causes damage to the industry. And the studios know this. The only reason the studios are playing a hard hand right now is because 80% of their revenue comes from China. That's the only reason they even have a fucking hand in this right now. But for anybody that gives a fuck about the creative side of artistic shit in America or in the West, generally speaking, this is obviously a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because the AI, regardless of how advanced it gets, it's not going to be able to do what an actual writer can do because that writer's, everything comes from personal experience, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's and 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 you know the lens through which you see the world, AI. No matter how advanced it ever gets, is not going to be able to do that part of it. It right? doesn't have a heart. It yeah, it's not going to be able to connect with actual human beings. I agree. Yeah. It'll it'll be it. So the 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 little stories it tells to try to connect with people would look like the hands that AI generates right now, all weird and three fingered. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, it'll just be off a little <laughs> bit, and you'll be able to tell. Yeah. So I like to, we we need people to be able to do this particular job. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm not either. Um, and then for somebody like you, again, it, let's let's take your uh, your doc. Let's say you shot because uh, a, a traditional doc, right? You're looking at roughly 150, maybe 200 hours of footage. Uh, yeah. Probably whittled down to let's say 90 minutes, two hours uh, on something like that. If you personally could feed it in to AI and say, "Hey, cut this like a Tarantino film, or cut this like." Whatever the best Oscar was for documentary, um, uh, what's his, what's that German dude's name? Uh, Fuck! R- oh, the Werner. Yeah, Herzog. Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, would you want to do that? For example, like I know I would. I, it's an interesting. I, I, like I said, I've been talking to a lot of writers about the AI thing, and and you know we tested a few things and saw like it didn't have the same emotion, but. Uh, but just editing alone, right? The Hollywood editor usually charges some around four thousand to six thousand a week. Yep. Yeah. If I didn't have to, if I didn't have to pay an editor to do it, and I could do it for nothing, like I'm probably gonna try it for sure. You know, what <laughs> what I mean? that's where I'm at right now. Like we're gonna head down to the border, and I know I have to. I'm gonna have to edit all this footage. Uh, I I was looking into AI editing because I'm just curious to see if that would save us on our budget. Yeah. Uh, and then in the book, so you got the new book that's coming out, Borderline, November 14th. Pre-sale is up now. Uh, it is under Jocko's imprint and all that stuff. I don't know if it's done or if you're in the process of it, but a lot of writers are feeding their stories into chat GPT. That's also AI. Is that something that you guys have utilized? No. Um, like I said, I know that when we've messed with it for, for other little things, it just didn't feel like it had the heart and emotion. Uh, this book is genuinely my story. So nothing better than to sit down and just write it. 
Uh, but there is like thoughts and of how to use that for blogs and things like that. Just so we can get content out for like better in and, and you know what I mean? Things like yeah. that, but I'm still learning it, man. I'm so against it and, and just like so foreign to it. But now that I've started looking into it, I'm just trying to see how I can use it to my advantage in, in, in creatively or, or, or just really save time. And so what's that about? And so I've been looking at it and I, anyway, I think it's pretty cool. I saw the editing one. I thought the editing one was interesting when you talked about it. Like I've been looking at, trying to use editing because I know how expensive editing is. Yeah. And so that's the thing that I'm going to try and look into a little bit more. It's not only expensive, but it's time consuming. Um, and for a project like this, for with your documentary at the border, it's, it's going on right now. To be able to get this footage up as fast as you can and cut together as fast as you can, and you be the first one out of the gates to tell this story with real footage and everything else because the media refuses to cover it, it would be very beneficial for something like this that's going yeah. on right now. We're typically in edits for a documentary. Shits, man. Uh, the longest one I sat in was close to two years. And we had, yeah. I think, 90-something hours worth of footage. And it was fucking miserable. Um, because you're just going through so much goddamn footage for this shit. Yeah. Whereas you could really pare this down with that. And then with voiceover actors and everything else, you could pump out more content faster. Yeah, that's what we're going to try and do, man. Like I said, that's why I sent you that link today. It's the truth on the That's what, that's where we're trying to raise money. So I can go down there, me and a cameraman and maybe one other guy uh, who speaks fluent Spanish to go down there and film what's actually what's happening right now. Uh, that's, that's the mission right now, man. That's kind of where I've been kind of pushing myself into. I was uncomfortable with it at first because, you know, I just don't want to, I don't know. It's a, it's a controversial space, but I felt like I should go tell that story. Yeah, and that's why I text you back. This is wild because you got a YouTube clip up there and everything else. Like, uh, we're just not seeing a lot of it uh, at all in the media of like the real shit. You're hearing yeah. about it, kind of. Uh, obviously, you've seen the footage uh, of what's happening to your old hometown in El Paso, which it that looks like a, a foreign country to me now. Crazy, bro. It's crazy. I got so many friends who live there too that were part of the wrestling team, and and uh, yeah, I'm probably that's probably gonna be one of the first places I schedule to go check out and film. Because I remember being there over and over for Range 15 with you guys, staying down there. I did not even recognize that downtown with the footage uh, Dan and I played on the show. Was it a week ago or whatever it was? I didn't even yeah. know that was happening because nobody's covered it. Um, but you, you'll be down there. Uh, you'll That's be able cool. to do it. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm like, you know, I ask it for all the listeners. If you guys want to support that, if you guys want to see more truth, you know, go check out the... Uh, truthontheborders.com and and donate what you can and support what you can because everything we get there we're just buying plane tickets hotels and and rental cars and i got the cameras i got body cameras and i'm gonna film and edit and upload it straight directly to youtube so no i don't want to charge nobody i want them to all see it i want i want it to be open source information because it's fucking wild dude what's happening and um yeah it's weird to me that no one's showing it it is uh what's the youtube channel itself called so that way people can can it's watch what, it i'm gonna yeah, I'm going to be uploading to my personal YouTube channel just because I'm, I'm not going to start a whole new thing. Smart. Uh, and it's just, I don't even know what it is. It's just Vincent Rocco Vargas. Um, but I haven't uploaded any video to it. The video you see there is uploaded there, but I have it so you can only see it on the website because I'm trying to draw people to the website to support. Uh, but the first one I do, boom, I'm going to drop it. It's just a sample of what I'm doing out there. You know, I went out there and and I jumped in with one of the, one of the, the, the PIOs and they let me go and help track a group you know i'm not putting hands on anyone i'm just kind of showing you know I have, like i said i have body cameras i have video cameras and everything and it's just 
it's such a dynamic space that people don't get to see and don't understand uh, the dangers of it, but as well as just the truth of it. And like I said, I think it's time and, and I think it's my time to go out there and do that. Yeah. And again, I, I said it you know earlier, but uh, I'll say it again. You're the perfect person to do it in this perfect moment. Um, just simply because the balance of Hollywood and your experience down there, I can't even name one other actor or writer, producer, director who worked in Border Patrol. Can you? Did you meet anybody out there? No. No. I, I'm the one guy that has the most access uh, and, you know, and permissions to do whatever I really want uh, for the sake of just telling the truth. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, now, regarding your book here, um, you said uh, earlier before we hopped on air that Jocko is publishing this. He's got his own publishing company, and this yeah. is going to be through him. Yes, it is. It's his imprint called Jocko Press. Um, we're excited to be partnered up with him on this. He also wrote the forward. And uh, I think just having his name attached to it and, and you know him, him signing off on the book was, uh, was an honor for me because you know, he's got a lot of notoriety in the book space. And so it's been, it's been cool. He read it, he loved it. And, and I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Now, obviously Jocko has been on our show before. Are you friends with him in real life? How did that connection come about? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I invited him to, uh, not a war story. Uh, the, the premiere for that. I'm sorry. Come here, mama. Yeah. My daughter just woke up. Um, and so I invited him to that and we met and he's actually, close friends with Elgin James from Mayans. And so that's how we became really close friends. And we've just had a connection since. Um, and we've just stayed in contact. And so I wrote several, there's, there she is. <laughs> I read, I read, I wrote several chapters of my book and sent it to him and he said, let's do it. And so that's what we did. Are you, did you save somebody from the border or is that your own child? <laughs> I'm just making sure Rocco. I just want to make sure. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how, how method you're going with the doc. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's my last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll see <laughs> that's a lie we'll did see. you get snipped <laughs> yeah i did i did we're done okay you're done at eight <laughs> eight was enough i'm sweating when i i'm sweating when i say that we're done <laughs> we're done yeah i'm at three no, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah i i gotta jump out of here because this girl she's gonna start climbing stairs and falling and i gotta i'm, I'm nervous about that <laughs> absolutely you know the drill uh you used to be a host uh who would you like to give the drinking bro of the week to Oh my goodness! Uh, I'll give Dream World of the Week to the Border Patrol agents. Can I do that? Is that absolutely, fair? absolutely? Hey, I was wearing the hat for months, so uh, those guys sent me a bunch of hats. I'll wear them on the show. I don't know why they get so much fucking heat. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Lack of understanding of what's going on down there. That's all it is. And to, just to the to the brothers and sisters out there, uh, you know, defending our country and, and doing the thing. Uh, I understand you guys are under a lot of scrutiny right now, and it's not fair to you. So there is people like us out here that support you and understand what the job is and what it entails. And I love you. Be safe out there. If you need me, contact me directly. Absolutely. Cheers. Uh, check out Borderline, the book. It is available for pre-sale now on Amazon. And uh, we will put his websites, uh, Bob, in the description in the audio show so you can go there and help donate to the documentary. Uh, we look forward to everything in the future. And as always, you have a standing invite. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And sorry about the, the madness over here with the uh, kids. It's, it's, look, I, I, I'd go through the same thing in my house. You're totally fine. We'll see you, buddy. See you, guys. Uh, D'Anthony, I wanted to chat with you. Uh, there's a breaking news story here. Trump uh, says he was sexually abused, defames uh, that E. Jean Carroll woman and must pay $5 million in damages. Was this a civil suit and not a criminal suit? Yeah. It was. Okay. Um, and in the uh, the uh, the rules are quite a bit different for that, right? So, um, 
like in a grand jury, you have to have a preponderance of evidence, which doesn't mean that it actually proves anything and just a reasonable suspicion. And then once you go to an actual criminal jury, you have to have unanimous guilty decision. Uh, it's not the same in civil court, right? Like the, the even the phrasing is weird. It's like uh, uh, they found that he probably did something, and then by denying it in public, he defamed her. That's that was ah, the result. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm trying so. to figure this out because it says uh, uh, he was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation in order to pay uh, more than five million dollars in damages. Yeah, and this is from. 30, 40 years ago, I guess. That yeah. makes sense, though, Dan, right? If she came out at some time and said that these things happened and he laughed it off and said nothing and then that kind of would ruin reputation. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can prove that something happened 40 fucking years ago. Yeah, you weren't sure. allowed to get work or something happened with your career and you were... No, no, no. no. I mean, you, it, you should first have to establish that something actually happened. Like, this, the civil... Uh, people have been pining about tort reform in the United States for 50 fucking years now, right? Right. Um, Ever since that McDonald's case, I think in 1983, so however long that's been, 40 years. Uh-huh. Um, that but, woman's legs were gross. Uh, she's fat, yeah. No, yeah. one from Burn from the McDonald's? Yeah, the Burn, the burn Vic from yeah. McDonald's. But she, yeah. was, she was also not... If she was hot, I think people would have cared more. I, I think would've. so, too. Yeah. I hate when supermodels and porn stars die. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Um, but it's Too a, soon. Yeah, it's a special place in my heart, and, uh, and I love those gals. Um, Trump just made a statement right now. He says, I have absolutely no idea... Who this woman is, the verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Um, I don't know if I would say greatest witch hunt of all time, right? Like the Salem you witch go trials. You got to Salem first, they right? They literally yeah. drowned like women. We, yeah. we, were, we were putting women essentially in between two pieces of plywood and then putting a big-ass rock on top of them until they just got crushed to death. So that's a little worse than having to pay $5 million bucks, I guess. But um, it is weird. Like Axios ran a story yesterday about Tucker Carlson and how it isn't even an open secret from Fox. Fox is intentionally trying to keep him sidelined through the election. And I they, told you. And they have said as much. Yep. Why, for what purpose? Why, why does Fox want to keep the one guy who seems to tell the truth more, likely, more often than not? For a sale of the company. Uh, they want to sell Fox News as a whole. And uh, the deal that I heard, I was talking about it yesterday, the deal is, um, if you can keep them quiet through the election, we'll help push this sale through. And uh, congratulations, you can all make a billion dollars. I mean, it's it's yeah, yeah. But if he's if he's not an asset of Fox, if they just fired him, then how would that affect the stock price? So what you're what you're saying is, at least what I'm gleaning from this uh, from these statements is that they want Fox to use their power to silence Tucker Carlson, not for the benefit of Fox, but for the benefit of the third party that wants to buy them. Correct. That is fucked. And so, uh, if you if you nuke out, but hang on, if you if you nuke out, and I said this yesterday, if you nuke out the biggest conservative voice in all of, I mean, it's not even close, not even close in all of uh, radio, podcasting, TV, whatever you want to call it these days. uh, If you nuke out that voice, who could potentially propel him to a win uh, in twenty twenty four. Where does he go then afterwards, right? Where, where would Trump go or DeSantis or whoever gets the, the nominee after that? And uh, for me, that dollar amount is super fucking high. If I'm, I'm on the left I'm and right I'm trying with, to sell this. I'm right there with you, Ross. Like, like Fox News, who owns it right now and who are they trying to sell it to? 
I with uh, Tucker coming out is very anti-Trump and all the things that kind of got leaked about what he was saying about Trump. I kind of think that people think he's a liability. Like Fox needs to get him out of there. No screen time. No nothing. That's going to damage Trump's chances of like winning the presidency. And if he wins, Fox is then you know the Republican news source is then stocks price is going to rise and then they can sell it for more money after the election. Yeah, my thought. It's it's look. It's like uh, if Embiid goes down for the Sixers, they're not winning the championship. And I think they're treating it the exact same you, you way. Think, you think that? Yes. Because he was so anti-Trump. Like, I, I, he look, was like. I, I don't think he's as anti-Trump as you, as, as you think. Those, those, leaks, think those the, leaks were bad. They, they were. But look, in the heat of the moment while things were going on, and, and this is you know coming from a guy who did vote for Trump, uh, there was shit that optic, like, optics-wise looked terrible. And you're just like, hey, dude, you should have done this. You should have done that. It's the same shit I would have said. And I think that's why Tucker won't have a problem whatsoever finding uh either a new television job or a new company or a new network whatever he's going to do is because you read all of those texts to me it was on brand for who i think tucker is as a person and i don't think any of these texts have hurt him whatsoever no no it's funny that media matters is releasing stuff like they're trying to attack tucker carlson's credibility and everybody is just like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's funny. What are you talking about? It'd be like if, if uh, all of Dan Holloway's texts got uh, leaked to the press and it said Taylor Swift is, a, is an 11, not a 10. She's way hotter than just a 10. She's an 11. Then people would look at him and be like, I don't believe you. Everything you said on the show was a lie. All of Tucker's texts that have come out, pretty goddamn on brand for who I thought he was yeah. and who did everybody think, else thought. Did you, I mean, did you genuinely think he passionately hated Trump? Yes. I th- yes. And I, I think, I, okay. well, I, I, I well, know that he does, but yeah. talked to him behind the scenes, yeah. but I mean, from, I think at a certain period of time, yes, he did. I think there was things that he loved about Trump. And I think there was things that he hated about Trump. And I think that's pretty much everybody. And I think if you go through, I don't know, any average conservative's text in the world, let's say you're not famous, you're not Tucker Carlson, there is great things about Trump and there is negative things about Trump. And uh, yeah, I, I, I No, but his I overall opinion was that he hates Trump. He said, I hate Trump. Right, at the end. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that, at least in the context of it, because I think it's important of, of the dates of those texts, were towards the end, man, those last few months were fucking rough, dude. Um, you know, you were going up against the election, uh, what may or may wasn't happening with, with, with Dominion and all that other shit, the J six shits where, you know, you didn't have to do that speech. You could have called everything off. Like, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people. Um, Does this have anything to do with the primaries then based on that same like thought process? Could Tucker's opinion and sway over the uh, conservative party, especially on Fox news, the flagship program, divert it, split it down the middle one way or the other way, and then having a deferential uh, approach to the presidential election later on? Yes. So if if you look at his last day on air or the the first day without him, I watched the entire programming, and I don't know if you did, with Laura Ingram and and Hannity and those guys. I don't watch any of that shit. Okay, so the the first guest on Hannity that night was Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. Um, I I found that incredibly odd that uh, the day that Tucker was fired – the very first guest on Hannity that night was DeSantis. Uh, Laura Ingram's half of her show that day was all in on DeSantis. It seems like Fox has made up their mind on DeSantis and getting rid of Trump and everything that is associated with Trump, and they just want to move on for the party itself or maybe just for their network. I don't know. But uh, what I 
gathered from those texts from Tucker is is kind of what's probably the rest of the media was going through of I'm exhausted of talking about Donald Trump. I'm exhausted of talking about this night in and night out. I want to move on. Mm-hmm. And some of the other texts, if you read them, were there's got to be more stories out here. Like we've got to start talking about other shit because he lost, it's over, and there's a new president coming in. Can we please stop pushing these fucking stories every night, which is exactly what Fox does, exactly what CNN does, and everybody else. So I, I, don't, I don't look at any of those texts in a negative light whatsoever. No. Um, no, and I also don't think... Uh, I mean, it is infotainment, I guess, right? It's not just a news show. It's an entertaining show. Um, and you can't expect somebody to just be brutally honest about everything they're thinking all the time. Nobody is like that, even in their personal life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, we all have thoughts that don't come out of our mouths, I think. Um, and when you transition to being in front of a camera, you say a lot of things behind the scenes that, like, for for example, you might not say something in a conversation like this because it would take too long to explain exactly what you're saying and not be taking out, taken out of context or something. Um, that's a reasonable way to go about things. So the fact that he wouldn't just say, I fucking hate Trump, which, by the way, he said in private. Yep. On a text. And I don't know why things you say in private are all of a sudden subject to scrutiny. Fuck you. Like, it's none of your fucking business what I said in private. Right. Uh, I, it's, it's very distasteful, I think, the way this is all being handled. And I think that more than anything, more than even firing Tucker in general, is what's really hurting Fox right now. Because people are seeing exactly what I've been saying for years about that organization, which they're just as big a cunts as anybody else. CNN and everybody mm-hmm. else. Uh, now, Tucker's last big guess, if you, if you go back and look at it, a week and a half before he got fired, was Trump himself. So if he truly hated Trump, you know Tucker, he wouldn't have him on the fucking show. Uh, well, I mean, if he had somebody he hated on, you would know immediately that he did. Right, right, right. Uh, so... With all of its, uh, who knows? Um, there is one interesting thing to look out for if you're out there. Uh, CNN has been trying to change their image and go more uh, down the middle. They have agreed to do a town hall with Trump. Uh, Bob, if you could look up the date of it, uh, I think it's coming up soon, actually. Uh, and people on the left are pissed off about it because they're like, why are we giving this guy airtime and everything else? Uh, the journalist who is conducting the town hall is a woman. Kaylin Collins. Yes, uh, and they've already announced that she's not going to be taking any pre-interviews because she wants to concentrate on this. Uh, even CNN kind of threw her under the bus on this, and they said, hey, this is her Olympics. So we're going to see if she can go out there and win the gold or not. Um, and they're putting a lot of pressure on this. because oh, it's this tomorrow. Is, yeah, it's tomorrow, yeah. Uh, I knew it was in the next few days. I just didn't know when. Um, but with that, I mean, look, CNN hasn't had Trump on in fucking years. So... I'm curious to see how this all shakes out, and I'm curious to see how they treat him on this network and what questions they're going to ask and if they truly are trying to change and go down the middle. But we'll see. Uh, Strange. Um, I I didn't know this was coming up, and then, boom, here it was this morning, and I was like, holy shit, really? Is that actually going down? Trump's going to be on CNN? Yeah, it's going to get spicy, I think. I think so, but especially with today's news, I don't know much about this woman. Do you? I don't care about people. Um, (laughs) It's not relevant who she is. I just like the statement. I don't care about people. Like I don't care about, and I'm not interested in caring about people either. Um, Yeah, I, I, 
what are you what are you what are you asking like what's her temperament or if she's going to grill him or yeah because i like I, I when i read this article i went back to because uh, i know you were like hey trump isn't doing the debates and all that shit i looked mm-hmm. at the last debates and i thought after those i was like i wouldn't fucking do them either it was savannah guthrie did one and i watched her show like it's it, the today show is always on in the background uh when we're getting ready with the kids and all that other stuff I thought she was pretty mild and like a fucking mediocre white suburban mom. She went after Trump in this fucking last debate or whatever town hall thing they had because of COVID. And uh, she just wouldn't shut the fuck up and kept cutting him off. And I was like, God damn, I didn't know that about Savannah Guthrie. It made me think twice about her as a journalist after watching that where I was like, oh, you just couldn't keep it together. So I'll be interested if, if homegirl can keep it together. And then on the flip side... Uh, I'll be interested to see how honest Trump is and if he can keep it together. Because we're starting to get in this period of time now where, you know, primaries are, what, six, seven months away? Yeah. It's a big test tomorrow night. Yeah. I mean, he's never been particularly good at keeping his mouth shut, so I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either way, it'll be must-see TV, and, uh, and CNN's ratings will be through the roof. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, we got a bunch of listeners in the studio. We always bring people up for drinking bro of the week. Uh, if you are here in the studio, how many people are back there, Bob? What do we got there? Fucking eight, six. Are you guys drinking hearty half seltzer at least? Yeah. They're, they're all in the fridge. Help yourself. Cheers. Uh, anybody want to come up? Come on up. There you go. Pop on up there. I like that. First hand up. Holy shit. Big dude, dude. You want to be a bouncer for the studio? You want to work the front door here? I like it. I like it. Come on up, sir. Welcome to the show. Pop on in right around the back here. Uh, Put that mic about an inch from your face. And I'm intimidated. I don't even know what you do for a living. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. You wouldn't believe if I told you. Really? Yeah. Uh, Put that mic about an inch from your your face there. Uh, Tell everybody your name. Sean Malloy. God damn, you got the voice, too, to back it up. Fucking all all flexed out and then deep voice. What do you do for a living? Right now, I'm a barber. Fuck you, really? Yeah. <laughs> I went through, I did, um, I was a soldier for nine years in the Army. Okay. And then um, I did a lot of bouncing, some bodyguard work, worked with juvenile delinquents, blew out my knee, so here I am in something that does, doesn't take too much physicality. Yeah. With that, did you do it in the military? Were you cutting people's hair? No. Okay. No, I was um I was a trucker and um I did some um tanking with the M one and everything. What made you want to to be a barber? I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. Well, I was thirty five years old when I blew out my knee. All I've ever known was physical work. I mean, so after a little while of throwing myself a pity party, I went down the wife had me take my son down to get a haircut. Took him down there, saw everybody laughing, joking, shooting the shit, and I was like, I'm gonna be a barber. And everybody there is like, hey, fuck, fuck out of here, man. You're not going to be a barber. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I can do this. They're like, no, you can't. What are you going to do if someone tells you you don't like a haircut? Beat the fuck out of them? I was like, no, 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 I can do this. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, right. So two weeks later, I was in barber school. Nine months later, I graduated. And 15 years later, I'm still doing it. No way. Congratulations. I appreciate it. Uh, do you own your own shop or do you do you no. work with somebody else? No, I want that kind of headache. I, I work for um, a place called Joe's Classic Cuts in um, – in Bluffton, South Carolina. Okay, <laughs> South Carolina. Yep, with that accent. Well, I'm from I'm from the Northeast. No originally. shit, <laughs> but that's hilarious that yep. you're in South Carolina. That's great. Yep. 
That's awesome. Because uh, the, the places we go around here, we go to this place called Skinny's around here. And uh, mm-hmm. it's old school dudes barber shop, And it's great. I, like, the, the atmosphere is great and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, the guy that I work for, um, he, he did a lot. I mean, the shop is really cool. TVs, music, um, beer, bourbon. It's got a whole bunch of shit up on the walls. You know, it, it looks like a huge man cave. And, yeah, it's, it's an outstanding place. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, look, you uh, you know the drill here. Who do you want to give the drinking bro of the week to? I actually have two. Go ahead. All right. I want to give one out to my brother, Kurt. He's been a day one homie of you guys. Yeah. When I came in, I took a picture, and he and I sent it to him. He's like, shut the fuck up. You're really there? And I said, yeah, I'm really here. And, and um, yeah, he... He loves you guys. He got me listening to you and everything else like that. Now I don't go into the damn truck or go anywhere without listening to you guys. So that's great. Uh, what's Kurt's last name? He asked me not to say it oh, because really? of his, because of of his, his position. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, the other one I got is my um, son Jonathan. Okay. He's actually graduating Thursday from um, Air Force Basic Training. Oh shit! Congratulations. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him. The kid's really doing a great job. So. We got to we got to give him some props. Plenty that's of awesome. kick, plenty of kicks in the ass and slaps in the back of the head, but he made it through. Congratulations, man! That's I awesome. Appreciate it. You got to be a proud father. Yeah, I'm very proud. Are uh, you married? Yes, my wife, my lovely wife, is back there. As I was going to say, yeah, I saw her. If you want to give her a shout out, that's yeah, what I my, was. shout out to my lovely wife Liliana back there. There you go. And I just want to tell you one thing: I loved your character in um in Range 15 so much. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, my um. My Call of Duty guy, I gave you a promotional because I thought you deserved it. The command sergeant major, Van and Ham. <laughs> so yep. every time, every time I get a kill, my wife will be like, "What the fuck?" Because you hear that, get a kill, get a five in a row, all of a sudden you're and, yeah, and keep on rocking. So that's the way it should be, though. Exactly, that's the way it should be. I feel exactly. Uh, it was a blast shooting that movie. I, that is to this day one of my favorites of all time. Um, I, I've said this on another show, I think with Jared here, but uh, I think from script, idea to script to what it turned out to be was pretty goddamn close to what it was. And, and typically that doesn't happen in Hollywood very often where it's a bunch of shit gets muddy and jumbled and everything else. That one, though, I think because uh, Jared came up with it, uh, that, that was pretty much as close to what his vision was uh, like that you could possibly get. The only thing you could ask for is maybe, you know, couple of days extra shooting or some more money here and there but uh but other than that I, I love that movie it turned out great uh we watched it maybe six or seven months ago yep uh still holds up and i still love it i i wish those guys would do a sequel i bought the damn thing i watch it at least once a month just to sit there and laugh and i can see it had to come together right because you don't have actors you know you got a bunch of you got a bunch of guys that are just almost shooting the shit and going through their lines and just trying to have a good time and shoot a movie with people they people they enjoy yeah being around yeah so yeah i could i could see how that would that one would would have gone great yeah it was a blast and then what, what i try to do is put an actor in every single scene that way in case you know somebody screwed up yeah dude i had <laughs> yeah. somewhere to go in the edit and uh <laughs> People ask, like, ah, what about so-and-so and so-and-so? And uh, he like, fucked up there, and we had to get this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I remember Jared, because I watched it with Jared, I think, six six months ago. And he goes, man, I go, was there anything you would change or whatever? He was like, I would have edited that scene differently. And I was like, well, if you didn't fuck up the line, it would have been edited differently. And he goes, oh, shit, dude, was that me? And I go, yeah, I had to edit around that thing. So yep. uh, You fucked up blast. the whole scene. Yeah, it was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, dude, thanks for being here. Who else uh, is back there with you? Do you know all these guys? No, I don't know any of them. I stepped in after them. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay, fuck. Is there anybody else that wants to come up? Come on up. Come on up. We're the... Look, you guys are the only reasons we're here and all this exists, so come up on, on air. Uh, tell you what, we'll bring you up first. You can wait right there, and then, we'll, yeah, I'll bring you on right afterwards. Um, now we're starting to get into some bro shit. Backwards hats. Oh, yeah. A little collar action. This is Bob. This is Bob's <laughs> people here. Uh, cheers. What's your name? Uh, Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy. Yeah. Welcome to, to Drinking Bros. Thank you. Uh, what do you do? Uh, so we're here um, in Austin for the uh, national championships for club lacrosse. So I'm oh, the head fuck. Coach. I heard about that. Yeah. So I'm um, the head coach at Kennesaw State. Got one of my assistant coaches, some of the uh, of age players back here drinking some hard AF and uh, having a blast. Kennesaw State in Georgia. Yes, sir. Let's go, dude. <laughs> you know, I grew up there. Yeah. yeah. Chattahoochee High School. I went to uh, Pope High School. Did you go to Pope? Yeah. We used to play you guys in football. Oh, yeah. We were shitty in football. Eh. I think you guys ended up beating us. Oh shit! Yeah, it was uh, it was it was some rough times for Chattahoochee. We didn't get good until after I left. Um, <sighs> it was a brand new school, but Pope was Pope was good, dude. You guys had some hot girls there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a fun uh, time in high school. I bet you sure did. <laughs> Then did six years in college at Kennesaw State, so it was a good time. Six. Six and a half. I wish I would. <laughs> I look back at it now, and I was like, "Fuck, man, why didn't I just do a couple more years?" Yeah, I milked my parents for a little bit more money, and uh. Now I'm working uh, that's what in I was worried coaching. about. So I got out of there in, in exactly four because uh, I was worried about spending my parents' money, and I was just like, I don't want to put them through that, you know. Yeah. And state tuition, it was all right. You were. I wasn't. <laughs> I was out of state tuition, so I was like, oh shit. And then NYU on top of it. Oof. Fuck, dude. I, yeah, I owe them. I paid them back though. I got them. Yeah. I got them a house, so we're good. Okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we're all good. That's fine. When's uh, when's the tournament? Uh, it's going on this week. Unfortunately, we're uh, we're out. So that's Already? why we're that's why we're day drinking. Oh shit. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Uh, who beat you? Uh, Dayton. Fucking Dayton Flyers? Dayton Flyers, yeah. Damn it, dude. Shit. All right. All right. That sucks, dude. I, I know Dayton pretty well. Yeah. It's the only thing they have t- to live for there. But I will say this. The Northeast is always pretty dominant. Uh, oh, yeah. In the Midwest at, at lacrosse. Uh, who would you like to give the Drinking Brother Week to? Um, to the two guys. I got uh, Joe Harmon. He's back home. He was, uh, he was in the Marines and... Uh, buddy that works for me now and uh we played lacrosse together in high school and then he played juco went in the marines for five years was a machine gunner and uh just got out and he's working with me now and then um uh, these guys back here uh curtis uh, yeah, give, give him all a shout out yeah so we got dom aka curtis he's the uh the goalies a crazy dude he's probably high as a kite right now that's fine there's plenty uh, of weed in here help yourself plenty <laughs> of weed all over the building then we got uh, andrew barner and then we got uh phil chandler back there too so some of the guys from the team made the trip out here and listen to you guys and drink some hard af and so hell yeah now that we're knocked out we're just day drinking and having a blast in austin dude that's uh it's great at least you're in a fun town for it you know uh if you were stuck in fucking dayton yeah bro where would you go today used to be in greensboro south carolina and salt lake city not too much fun so this is awesome yeah dan knows greensboro i shot a commercial in greensboro not a lot going on there where was the other place salt lake oh god damn it dude i hated (laughs) salt lake i still greensboro south carolina it was at one point yeah yeah yep yep i shot a commercial down there and i accidentally put in because there's a Greensboro, North Carolina yeah, as well. Yeah, that's where I live. Yep. And so <laughs> I, I popped in the address, and then I had to call the guy. And I was directing this commercial. And I go, hey, dude, is this supposed to be in – I thought it was North Carolina. And he goes, no, 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 it's in South Carolina. And I was like, oh, shit. It was like a fucking – I think it was like a four-and-a-half-hour drive, Giorgio, from where we were at. Um, I went down there. I shot that commercial. Across like, south of the border? Yes. For, it was like, for some reason, like it's in the middle of America, but they have a Mexican-themed – town 
right over north and south Carolina. Yeah, dude, it have is you been the there? Most confusing bullshit. Have you been there? Yeah, it's all Mexican. Yep. It's all like fucking pinatas and fireworks and sombreros. Oh yeah, so you can't get fireworks in Georgia. So you can cross that border. It's just yeah, like fireworks dude. everywhere. It's strange. It's strange. Uh, well, cheers. Thanks for making the the trek down here. And, yeah. Uh, again, help yourself to some hard AFs. Oh, absolutely, these are delicious. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. All right, look, go <laughs> go relative. If you're going out tonight, go go yeah. easy. Yeah, I keep it under four, you know, under four is easy. Just in case, just in case <laughs> uh, we'll bring your buddy up. here. Yeah. Come on up. Come on up, friend. Uh, is he on the team with you? Yes, yeah, uh, one of my assistant coaches. OK, right on. One of the assistant coaches. Come on in, dude. Come on in. Welcome to the show. Sorry, you guys are out of the tourney. Yeah, you know, it hurts. It does. I just lost. Uh, I lost. I, I coached my kids. Uh, all their teams, baseball, soccer, all that stuff. Uh, this season was soccer, mm. and uh, and I lost. I was a fucking loser. Uh, put it about an inch from your face. There you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, the the game your kids lost was it just the same opponent you're constantly losing to? No, uh, no. I I didn't have enough kids uh, to fill it out. Uh, so at this age, parents will be like, "There's like like one kid was like, oh, hey, we're going to get a dog,' and I was like. What you're going to miss the tournament because of a, you're going to get a dog. The hey. dog can wait. Like the dog is fine, but mm. you can't. You know, when you're nine, what are you going to do? Right, that's a tough one. It is. Uh, but when you're in college, it's a different story. You're you're losing to the same people over and over again. Uh, you lost to Dayton. Have you guys lost to them in the past? We've never beaten them. This uh, we've no lost them. shit. I lost them twice in college, and then uh, so me and Connor played together in college. We had a blast, and then we both experienced losing to Dayton twice. Uh, we finished up, and then a year later, we lose to Dayton again in the playoffs. And I was hoping this would be the fourth time playing, and we might see the other side Dude. of it. But, but this one, it was a little more competitive. It's always been an ass beating. In what the past. was the score? This time it was fifteen to nine. But it's not indicative of how the game was. It was very, very close, and then it just the wheels fell off a little bit okay. at the end. Okay. Uh, is it on you as a coach or the kids? You know, actually, I'll put the blame blame on the coaches on this one. Okay, we uh, we made a very bold decision, and it kind of killed a lot of the momentum. And yeah, it's it, weird, it right? Hurt. Yeah, it's weird. That one, that one stung because you could see it. I, at the time, we did it, and we thought it would be impactful. Uh, Curtis, our goalie, we thought maybe if we go with the other goalie, they might give him different looks. We might be able to get a lot more transition and play it play it better, and then didn't play out the way we wanted and you could see it was just very defeating for all the other players at the time when we made the change and damn yeah it that sucks. Was, it was very weird being on that side of things for once and it doesn't matter what age level you're at like kids college even last night i was watching the lakers game and a shit ton of money on the lakers game last night <laughs> Ugh, i had on golden states if you would have told me a guy named lonnie walker the fourth it was he's a fourth right 15 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, almost outscored Golden State on his own. I've never even heard of this person. I don't even know what college he went to, anything at all. And uh, it happens. Where you're just like, well, I fuck. What do you do, I guess? Did you see that dude who was throwing up? Yes. Or, like he just like, held in his mouth? And he left. The, he ran off the court. It was uh, Gary Payton the second, And he left a play. And Draymond Green thought he was there and threw it out of bounds. <laughs> he was supposed to be there. But he he ran off the court to throw up. His, I mean, the fact he happened. kept it in his mouth that long. He was just sat there. Just God, that's gross. Like, oh yeah, Jesus man. So when did you go to Chattahoochee by by chance? Boy, maybe five or six years ago. I just graduated <laughs> high school, so I'm super young, probably younger than you. Well, I was gonna uh, say there was a player who just uh, got inducted into the SELC. That's the the Southeastern Lacrosse Conference Hall of Fame, and he was a Chattahoochee guy. His name was Kevin Magyar. Okay, I don't know. I, yeah, I was 
You said Chattahoochee, and I was like, you know, man, there might have been some paths that crossed there, but no. You know what's funny is uh, we did not have lacrosse growing up in uh, the state of Georgia at all. It was so, a sanctioned dam. Nope, we didn't have it at all. Uh, the other thing we didn't have was hockey. So when I was growing up, there was one rink in the entire state, um, and if you <laughs> wanted that? to go there, yeah, it was like I don't know, an hour and a half north, I think, of, of Atlanta. <sighs> And uh, if you wanted to go and play, you had to, you know, drive back and forth and all that other stuff. And uh, which is wild. The Alpharetta area is just popping now. You got the cooler top golf right right there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we don't we didn't have any of that shit growing up, um, including mm. that amphitheater and everything else. Damn, that's uh, wild. That, but by the way, I feel the same way about Atlanta as I feel about Austin. Mm. Um, I think we're in this huge transition. I'm sure you guys came through all the construction and they're building highways and all that other fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. Same thing's going to happen. You give this place 15 years and all that shit will start popping up everywhere. Because right now, even coaching these kids, um, you know, their parents will tell me about other sports they're playing. Most of them have to go to Dallas if they want to play like really good hockey. Mm. Um, I get, Dallas, I guess, is some hockey mecca. I'm not into it that much. I'm a casual fan of the NHL. Yeah. But uh, uh, I guess the training grounds there are, are a lot better. And then lacrosse here. Is only club. They don't have any fucking high school, nothing. So. No, it's it's not even sanctioned in the state of Alabama, Tennessee, which is weird because it's just like right on top of Georgia. And Georgia's really taken off in comparison to like, I would say it's getting fairly comparable to Northeast, but it's like Texas, as you just said. It's it's weird how it's hasn't grown at the rate you would expect. It's the fastest growing sport, but it's just like still untouched in a lot of areas. Well, look, it's a lot of yarn and sticks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the South... Um, in the past has, has not been uh, too kind to uh, yarn and sticks. You know, usually they were burning those uh, people's front yards. Nailed Ooh, it. Hot damn. Nailed it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Who would you like to give the drinking brother of the week to? Um, a couple shout outs. I would love to do it to the Kennesaw lacrosse team. Uh, I got to give pretty much my whole career, friendships, every, per- every person that I met from the program. Uh, the other one, my company that let me come out here, the Martins. Uh, that's my the whole family uh, runs that company at the Atlanta. The name of the company is Atlanta Supersource. We're a chemical manufacturer. They they were nice enough to let me come out here. That's awesome. And then uh, my parents and my girlfriend, and who was also kind enough to let me come out here and support support the Kennesaw lacrosse team. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, are you going back to coach next year? Uh, that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's exciting. Is there a, is there a meeting though where they're like, hey, you might be fired because you lost a date again? You know, we'll find out. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but, yeah, hit me up. Yeah. Send me a DM and let me know that your job's safe. <laughs> all right, should be for the most part. Okay, but I wasn't familiar with this podcast at all, and I was like, after just sitting here listening, I was like, damn, I think I got something new to listen oh, to. Oh no, shit! Did a buddy brought I, you? Yeah, uh, Connor. Connor did. He was familiar with it. I've only kind of seen maybe a few Instagram snippets here and there, and yeah, I was yeah. just like. All right, let's check it out. Why not? Yeah, it's wild, right? Yeah, it was a good time. We're not in somebody's garage anymore. I can tell you that. So yeah, uh, we appreciate you stopping by, and we appreciate all new listeners. Uh, but please go to iTunes, rate the show five star, and leave a quick review. Also, head on over to Spotify. It's just a five star, and you can walk away. Plus, if you're in the Austin area, want to stop by and have some hard AF seltzers, and then hop on the mic to give out Drinking Bro of the Week. We will welcome it. If you're out of town, though, you can go to drinkingbros.com. Click on the submission form, and it'll get emailed to us live on air. While you're on drinkingbros.com, feel free to peruse the catalog of all of our merch. And the best part about it is every dime goes to us. Not one cent of it goes to Ukraine. You're welcome for that. Buy a hat. Buy a tee. Buy some glassware for the summer. Gosh dang it. For Danthony and Danthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone.